Joining us now here on the show is a familiar voice to many of our listeners. He is the host of Sunday Night's Main Event on the TSN Radio Network, the iHeartRadio Talk Network, and many other stations across Canada. He is also one of the most prominent wrestling reporters in the industry right now. He is Mike McGuire. Thanks for joining us, Mike. How are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm well. I don't know if I can live up to that introduction. That was uh, very nice of you, Jake and Sean. Nice to be here. Um, I, I'm going to say I'm not so much a reporter, but I do follow a lot. Uh, reporter just sounds like I have way more responsibility. I, I fully give credit to the very hardworking actual reporters and journalists out there, but I, I do host the show, and I do love talking wrestling, and so there's there's been a lot of... I guess I do some vetting, so maybe I am a reporter. I don't know. I don't think so, though. I don't, I don't get a lot of breaking news. I just kind of follow the trends. But no, it's anyway, all good. thank you very much. It's great to be here. No, it's all good. We're glad to have you here, man. Um, before we talk some news, uh, let's talk about you for a little bit. Uh, uh, as some might know, uh, it's been over a little over six months since you've taken over full-time as the host of Sunday Night's Main Event. Uh, I think the first question uh, for me would be... Uh, How's it going so far? Do you feel comfortable and happy in this new role? Um, how do you feel at this moment uh, now that you're a little a little bit over six months in? Uh, I feel great. I was overwhelmed with joy at the beginning. Um, and I, I brought in some little things. And Jason Agnew, who, of course, created this show, uh, spun yep. off of Live Audio Wrestling. Um, he and I had started talking months before... I actually kind of came in and and then even after that taking over um and I think that I think that I finally found kind of what I like doing with the show still keeping in tune with what the show has been but I I like to I I think I have a slightly different angle on things but at the same time I I get to stay true to what the show was. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, and then this is by no means a comparison on popularity level or anything, but I'm a huge fan of the daily show. And when Trevor Noah first took over, he was doing a lot of Jon Stewart's bits, or they were doing a lot of what worked in the Stewart era. And then, especially over the pandemic, which was different for him, but in my case, I can relate to it. He got to find his own voice in the show. And now it's a totally different program. I don't think we're a totally different program, but I feel pretty happy with where things are going. And I, I can ask you more as someone who listens and follows, how do you think it's going? Because I can sit here and think I'm great all day, but it, it's more important to me what I think uh, the other people are, are saying than anything. So, You know, it's interesting because uh, I've started listening to the show since day one. And um, and prior to that, uh, I've like. Like many many of our listeners, I've started listening to the Law Live Audio Wrestling ever since my freshman year of high school, and uh, gotten you know gotten to know uh, to know even personally uh, all the hosts uh, with with Mouth Jay as well as John and Way, and to see how the tremendous chemistry you know all the all the hosts had over the years, it's it's uh, it's awesome. But when you came in, and then we have we now have like new people uh, coming into to the network, uh, you know a, a tremendous tremendous creative uh, group of people uh i mean i mean the way you just uh came into the show and then uh, uh the amazing format that you've laid out it seems like you've been hosting it for years so i gotta give props to you like, well thanks dude i i still you know it's there's a lot more work that goes into that hour than i think uh i've ever put into any radio show i've done in 20 years 
And it's funny because, like, even now as we talk, I'm I'm prepping. I've got uh, Raj Singh from Impact Wrestling, who's a really good buddy of mine from back in the day, and we uh, we mm-hmm. caught up in Calgary. And so I'm piecing that interview together. So it's it's not just kind of a hey, we do it all in one day sort of thing. I'm I'm constantly tracking and piecing things together. And and you know, I think I'm doing one show at the start of the week, and then especially the last few weeks, Fridays happen. And you're like, oh, all right, well, there goes that whole format. So, like, this this past Friday, for example, was supposed to be my big lead and my big star guest was going to be Conrad Thompson, who, of course... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> is, the, ...is the pod father, right? And, and he's on the show, and we put the whole interview up for free, but all of a sudden on Friday, Vince happens, and... There goes the entire format. So then it became most of the hour was Meltzer and I breaking down Vince's career and then uh, and then going into the Conrad thing afterwards. So it's kind of funny where it's like one guy who is the promoter is now gone. And this other guy who admittedly stumbled on wrestling and stumbled into podcasting has turned it into an empire where he gets to present his father-in-law's. (laughs) <laughs> last match and his father-in-law just happens to be rick flair who many will argue is one of the greatest of all time so yeah yeah it's 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 a weird time to be a wrestling fan it's a weird time to be talking about wrestling for sure but it's exciting it's different and a lot of people are talking about it so we'll get to those news items that you mentioned just a little bit um i know that you're you're but that's pretty cool that you mentioned that i know that you're not just hosting you also produce and edit everything on the show uh you guys also have a uh, an amazing Patreon where listeners can support the show. Uh, me being one of those people, I uh, really appreciate the the great content you guys put out every every day. It seems like you know it's it's out like there's like a show every day, which is pretty cool. Um, I know that you have one of the most prominent journalists of all of in all of wrestling, Dave Meltzer, every week on the show. Um, you know, after these seven months, uh, has it exceeded your expectations in terms of how the show going uh, about the show going smoothly and how many loyal listeners have continued to stick around? And do you go? Do you enjoy getting to know and talk to Dave these past few months to get his perspective on things? You know, it's funny. There's a like anybody, especially at that level of a Dave Meltzer. There's there's detractors, and then there's people that follow him. And and the funny thing is, when I first came in, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like Dave's kind of controversial, and he's had times where he said things that that were either taken out of context or frankly, you know, just weren't right. And, and he knows that the funny thing is I was kind of expecting at first someone to give me kind of a more, more holier than now sort of presentation. And the guy is anything, but, um, he knows a lot and a lot of it is all just up here in his brain where sure. it just it's you know I I haven't asked him if he has an eidetic memory or not but I think I think he has something like that because the guy remembers a lot just top of mind and I think as wrestling fans we all remember key moments but he remembers a lot of stuff so at first I was a little nervous about it I was like you know are we are we going to stick with the Meltzer thing and and boy am I glad we have because I think that Dave and I talk in a way where there's less opinion I mean, sometimes I'll ask him what he thinks is going to happen. There's a difference, and that's the thing. There's a difference between opinion and prediction. And I'm a big, I think we all are in a way as wrestling fans of fantasy booking guys. Like, what do you see happening? What do you think could happen? And people confuse that with 
fact sometimes. So I don't get into the, hey, do you think so-and-so is a good person? Do you think so-and-so is a good wrestler? We don't do a lot of that. I leave that for you, the fan, the listener, anybody out there to interpret. And we talk about what we know is going on and what isn't. So, you know, Dave has his opinions and he's welcome to them. I have my opinions and you'll hear a lot of them on our Patreon. Like you said, the show is uh, patreon.com slash SNME radio. But you can you can have different opinions. Not everybody likes the same sandwich. Not everybody likes the same type of wrestling. And the more that we just be like that and say, hey, that's the way it is. Uh, you know, the thing is, everybody wants to be right. Everybody right. wants to be right. And with with Dave and I's interaction on the show, I feel that we we don't worry about that. We just try and figure out what the hell's going on every week. So. Where are you originally from, and uh, how did you get involved in this wacky world of professional wrestling? Where am I from? Uh, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was born in Ontario, grew up mostly out west between uh, different towns in Alberta. Uh, there's a city called Red Deer, where I spent a lot of my life. And then uh, I went up to Edmonton, which is Alberta's capital city and a, a great mm-hmm. town. Uh, pursued my radio career there. Got it. Got started. Ended up moving all <laughs> over to uh, <laughs> moving all over the place for a little bit to to different places, and uh, then I ended up in Regina about nine years ago, which is uh, Saskatchewan's capital city, and about two hours away from where Brock Lesnar's farm is. Uh, it was funny. You'd always get Brock sightings. People would call me at the radio <laughs> station saying that, "Oh, I just saw Brock here. I could never get him on the show. I always had an open invite, but." Um. Yeah. Never. Never heard from Brock. That would be the biggest scoop ever in in, in SNME well, my, history. <laughs> I don't know. My my buddy Chad, who is on a morning show in Regina uh, on the Wolf, uh, he had Brock Lesnar show up at his house one time because somebody who knew him knew Brock, and yeah, it was hilarious. So I was I I appreciate that. I think there's a softer side to Brock that a lot of fans don't appreciate, and I'm not going to go into it much because. You know, well, maybe I should, because then maybe he gets mad and comes and says, hey, quit talking about my nice side. And then, you know, like buys me a steak or something. I don't know. But no, um, <laughs> and I was in Regina and now I've been in Saskatoon for the last four years. And uh, and now I'm kind of uh, kind of wherever I want to go. But as far as how I got into wrestling, it's something I always wanted to do. Uh, I trained for a while. So unlike a lot of media or whatever, I can say I've taken several bumps in the ring. Um, unfortunately one bump actually the left side of my body once, oh. um, I had a pre-existing back injury and because of that, I, I, I took a bump the wrong way and it shut down the left side of my body for about an hour. And I was like, well, there's the wrestling career. So, um, just knowing people through the business through the years and then always wanting to do wrestling radio. That's, that's how I got in. Uh, I've been ring announcing for the last 15, 16 years. Um, and I've done everything from book shows to cover for promoters that overbooked a talent and didn't have money to bring them in afterwards. And so I guess I can say I finance wrestling shows. Um, and then I made sure to be there that night to collect my money. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not, if you're not having enough money to bring a guy in, I'm not sure you're going to have enough money to pay me back. So (laughs) it's one of those things, but, uh, overall my wrestling experience has been pretty great. So. Well, Mike, I know that you are like a big 
Garth Brooks fan. I know you have an autograph card from Garth Brooks, but who yeah, is Garth is somebody that you enjoy in country music? In country music? Oh, God. Uh, well, I, I can't help but notice uh, your your New York accent there, pal. So I got to ask you where you're from. Oh, I'm going to screw you over here because I'm actually from Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm born and raised from East Tennessee. Oh, nice, nice. I was just kidding. <laughs> just kidding about the New York part there, obviously. But uh, I got a lot of friends in Tennessee. Um, and I got a lot of friends in country music. See, I was in country for 15, 16 of the 20 years I've been doing this. So there aren't many people I haven't interviewed or haven't met. And I got to say, the number of people that aren't really all that great to deal with fit on one hand. Whereas a lot of the acts in country are are fantastic to deal with. Um, I was one of the rare people to meet Eric Church pre-sunglasses and uh, trucker cap. So he was kind of interesting. That was uh, Dang. <laughs> that was right before he got kicked off the Rascal Flats tour, I think, uh, for being too loud and playing too long, which I still think was manufactured, but that's personal opinion. Um, you know, what better way to build a rebel than by, you know, telling a story of how he played out of turn uh with the biggest touring act at the time um garth is great terry clark who i know hasn't been uh around american radio as much as of late but man she was a force for a long time and she still is uh she's a very very good friend of mine um and i'm trying to think of of, of american dirks bentley is always a pretty awesome dude um yeah, there's there's a lot, man. As far as what I like to listen to, yeah, I'm a huge Garth fan. Garth was always great to me. Um, and yeah, call you know I'm gonna go old school. Colin Ray, Colin Ooh. Ray, yeah, pretty underrated uh, in in that history, to be honest. So, <laughs> like yeah, too. yeah, Colin Ray, and, and Colin Ray is also a huge wrestling fan, and also uh, a bit of a part of wrestling history. He was at Owen and Martha's wedding. You know, they use they use one boy, one girl as their song. And, um, you know, sadly, he went to Owen's uh, funeral as well. And and so there's there's a family connection there. The first time I interviewed Colin Ray, actually, um, was shortly after I just met Brett for the first time in an interview capacity and uh, or maybe the second time. But, yeah, he was he's he stopped me dead in our interview and he said, oh, you met Brett? I was like. Yeah, it's like he's like, oh, I love that guy. And then our interview turned into like five minutes of wrestling talk, which I could barely use any of on my uh, country radio station at the time. But it was it was still pretty great to to have a guy like that. So yeah, he's pretty dope. See, one of the bands I like from like Canadian country is Emerson Drive, and they had a short oh, yeah. run here in the, in the states. I got to see them one time in person, so they were really good uh brad and the boys are really good buddies of mine as well in fact if you hop on youtube you'll see a bunch of dumb videos involving myself and emerson drive and it's right around that time when moments was a giant force and they they had kind of two runs they had the run with moments and then they had an early early run with the uh i should be sleepings and whatnot of the world where the debut came oh, wow. in so yeah they uh a canadian act breaking in the u.s is difficult to do oh I got I to gotta send a shout-out to my girl, Lindsay L. Lindsay L., who has had probably one of the best careers for a Canadian in the U.S. in recent history. Um, she she does the anthem at a lot of games down there for NFL, and uh, I think she's done a few Preds games and, and things like that. But, mm. uh, 
But I met this girl when she was playing a dive bar in Banff, Alberta. And nobody knew who she was. I didn't know who she was. And then she came out in this dive bar and kicked our ass for an hour and a half. <laughs> and I still have to say this, that if you've not seen Lindsay L. live in the U.S., you have to. Because what you get on the records is nothing like what you get in person. And what you get on the records is pretty good. So, um, But, man, she picks up that axe and she'll 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 make you wonder where she came from because it's like divine intervention watching her play so hmm. yeah, that's amazing there you go buddy so i and I'll, I'll send you a bunch of canadian acts if you want to hear some cool stuff that you may have never heard before but uh yeah thanks for those recommendations yeah it's <laughs> pretty cool uh what i also like uh, uh about you mike is that you have a considerable amount of uh memorabilia uh, in, in wrestling as well. So I have a few, uh, obviously. I got the Money in the Bank, uh, obviously the NWA World Heavyweight Championship but behind me. Got the big gold belts and the TNT Championship belt. But, man, you have a considerable amount um, and probably like a, a whole stash of them in, um, in shelves, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to go. To, I'm sitting in my room right now. In fact, behind the curtain is where a lot of it is, too. <laughs> uh, there may be uh, i I've had this thing especially since I got to know the guy, but I've, I've been trying to track down every Bret Hart figure ever made. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> at least at least one version of it. And so I've got a wall of Bret behind me. Um, off to the side is uh, a lot of figures and stuff. Um, I have a WrestleMania 8 ring-used turnbuckle pad that's actually in damn near impeccable shape. It's... It's almost scary how nice it is, and and now you can buy these like fake WWF turnbuckle pads. But I'm telling you right now, this is the real deal, and you can you can tell the differences easily if you know what you're looking for. Um, and then yeah, like you, I've I've got a few belts. I've got a few belts. Uh, a lot of them signed. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah. There's there's a few, but yeah, I I've got a big gold signed by Flair. I've got every title that Brett held. Uh, in WWE and WCW signed. Um, yeah, just I'm, I'm a big fan of of meeting the people that made these belts famous. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just getting into the belt collection game, so hopefully I'll get these autographed. Uh, I, got a, I got a Divas Championship signed by Kelly Kelly, which hey. doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> whatever. She was engaged to my buddy Sheldon for a long time, and so... That's how that happened. It's <laughs> weird. Anyway. Okay, Mike, I got a question for you. Sure. Do you have, is there one piece of memorabilia that you had at one time that you kind of misplaced or lost that you wish you still had? No. No, as well, a matter that's good. of fact. <laughs> okay, so getting back to my story here. I actually met Kevin Nash before he was Kevin Nash. He was nice. a center for... University of Tennessee's basketball team back when Allen Houston was on that team. And they had like the orange and white day for the basketball team. I actually met Kevin Nash then, and I must have been probably around 10 or 11, but the guy is so freaking tall at, and I was listening to all the guys. So I had the program signed by all the team members, and I have since moved from my original house to a new house. And in, in that move, I lost the whole autograph thing, so I don't have uh, autograph anymore. So yeah, so that's why I brought that story up. I uh, I have had stuff affected by a flood, um, but I didn't lose the items. But they were they're not in prime shape anymore, and that includes uh, I became pals with MVP after doing an interview with him 
a while back. And so the figure that he personalized to me got ratched and uh, a couple other ones. But yeah, nothing, no major losses, or fortunately, I guess. But uh, yeah, it sucks about that, man. I've, I've had other autographs go missing, but nothing I really miss, so... Let's talk about the uh, the upcoming uh, some of the news items that happened. Uh, it's been a crazy uh, week in professional wrestling. Um, when you first found out about uh, about Vince McMahon retiring as chairman and CEO, how did you initially find out about it? Uh, like everybody else, the tweet. Yeah, the tweet. You know, I've got certain people that I get alerts for, and Vince is one of them. And as soon as I saw that, I was like. Okay, he's been hacked. No, wait a minute. <laughs> nope this this looks legit. So and then I I texted Meltzer and I texted a couple other people and and I was like, you heard about this? And uh, some people that that used to work there messaged me and they were stunned, um, as as a lot of us were, you know. So that was how I first heard about it. But to be honest, if you've been listening to our show. It didn't surprise me, given how much stink was around him, and it made me wonder how much more is going to be around him. So we'll see what happens there. You know, we saw the reports of the Wall Street Journal, and now we know that SEC has launched probes into payments uh, made by Vince to settle those allegations of sexual misconduct. Um, Do you think there's going to be more damning allegations uh, on the way? I don't know if this is going to be the end of it. Well... (laughs) We we still don't have confirmation on that last two and a half million dollars, but right. if I were a betting person, you know, I would probably probably throw down something like that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he had a really expensive Denny's bill and forgot the receipt, but um, I think it was definitely something along those lines. But again, that's that's hyperbole and pretty, you know, just a, an assumption. I don't have any real real fact behind that statement so i don't know i think there's definitely where there's smoke there's fire like i've said on the show before i think that if anything from a corporate standpoint wwe has to save face and if you were to find out that because remember initially we found out that this was like maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars that was going to be the original issue salary of this one person and then we found out then no, these other NDAs happened, but it was Vince's personal money, or was it? Um, so now we're we're having all sorts of of things come out. So until the investigation's out, we're not going to know everything. But I mean, fourteen million dollars. Now they're saying the other three million was his own money, right? So that puts us at seventeen something now. So I don't know. That's a lot of damn money either way. You know, on one hand, his impact and influence. In the, in the sport of professional wrestling cannot be overstated. Um, you know, I'm sure once upon a time it was hard to imagine what Disney would look like without Walt. Uh, but we know it continued to see what it is today, and it's bigger than it has ever been. Um, we now know that Stephanie McMahon going forward will be the chairwoman, as well as co-CEO alongside Nick Khan and Paul Levesque. Will over, and, and, and Paul Levesque will... Triple H uh, will oversee both creative and talent relations. Um, Sean and I have talked about it a little bit uh, this past week, uh, but this past week on Monday Night Raw, that was the first Raw that I've seen you know, from top to bottom in a while. There were some subtle things, but most of the episode pretty much focused on everything to do with SummerSlam. Um, do you expect um, any, um, any changes in terms of presentation? Uh, maybe, uh, not immediate, but probably after SummerSlam. 
Uh, even, you know, it's funny. Everybody on the news of Vince's retirement over the weekend had the entire company rewritten by the end of that day. You know, oh, they're going to change all the names back. Oh, Sasha and Naomi are going to be back tomorrow and and all this stuff. I don't think it's going to be that easy. I don't think it's going to be that drastic either. Uh, it just it doesn't really make a ton of sense either because... As fans who are dedicated viewers, and again, I do our Raw review every week on our Patreon feed called Tuesday Morning Cooked, and, you know, whether you like, love, or hate the creative, it's working. It's working. It's selling tickets. It's got Peacock followers. They've got everything they need, and they're making a butt ton of money. And their stock's up. And, well, the stock is is up and down now. It's, It's kind of... It surged there on Monday, but then it's it's kind of crept back down to where it was. But, uh, you know, the, the company's making money. What ain't broke doesn't need fixing. But from a, a creative standpoint, I do see little nuances happening. I, I truly believe that a lot of that raw was more of a, holy crap, we got a lot to deal with. Let's just get through this show and get to SummerSlam, and then we'll go from there. So there will be some changes. I think there will be some different talent coming up. But for the most part, I think what they're what they're doing on the main shows, and this is maybe an unpopular opinion, it sells tickets. It works. You know, you don't have to like it to admit that it's uh that it's doing okay. So I don't I don't know if we expect a ton of wholesale change right away, but yeah, there there will be differences down the road, I'm sure. Mike, uh, do you think the chances of a possible sale in the next couple of years now increased uh, because of this, or do you see Stephanie and Hunter just inheriting it? I don't know. I really don't know, and I put this question to Dave as well. I said, what do you think is more important to Vince? Do you think it's the money, or is it the legacy? Mm. Because Vince always believed that WWE, no matter what, was a family company. Even when they went public, it was his company. So... I mean, Stephanie has long been seen as the heir apparent in the role she's in now. Mm -hmm. But does that mean that, I mean, it went from being millions to billions of dollars. Literally, I think the company's worth like, on on the stock exchange alone, is worth like $5.3 billion right now, which is mind-boggling when you think about it. But um, I, I don't know. Part of me sees the legacy continuing. It just seems weird not to have McMahon involved in WWE. But, again, these things go from being family companies, like you said about Disney. It goes from being a family company into becoming a conglomerate. And maybe during our lifetime, we witness WWE become that conglomerate. So, I can't give you an honest, yeah, I think it's going to sell tomorrow answer or not, because I just... I don't see Vince letting go of that stock. I personal opinion, if it was me and I had his mentality, at least what's been demonstrated, I would be willing it to my family, you know? But that's again, that's just one guy's opinion. I could be wrong and watch this Friday we'll find out the whole thing's for sale tomorrow. I don't know. But see, I was thinking last week I was telling um Jake that I was thinking maybe twelve to thirty six months might be the winner when they start thinking about maybe selling the company because i was thinking since vince can't be there in person 
part, part of me would feel like if it was me and I could be in person at the show and I've been there forever, I'd be like, maybe it's time for me to cash in. But like you said, the legacy might be more important. He might just hang on to it and just pass it on to the next line of demands. And that's literally the $5.3 billion question right now. We don't know. Um, and I, I don't know if it would be a bad thing or not. Let's face it. WWE as a company is a machine now. It it handles itself. There's so many people. There's a board of directors. There's there's so many fail-safes in this thing that does it need a Vince McMahon? Mm. Uh, Wall Street seems to be indicating no, which was the big the big fear for years is that if Vince goes, what's going to happen to the company? Well, it's been a week now, almost, and, you know, like you said, the company is holding strong on the stock. I'm just looking at it as we're recording right now. Oh, yes. It's, <laughs> it's at, like, 68.44, which is still up, you know, a couple bucks from last week when it was, you know, at 66 or whatever. So, and that was when it closed on last Friday, so... Yeah, at this point, we just don't know. Uh, you know, anything could happen. I mean, we never thought that, you know, Dana White and the Fertitta brothers would sell the UFC. Uh, and, well, they cash out for $4 billion, and, and, and they're still as popular as ever. So, at this point, you know, we're uh, we're sort of still lingering on the news, pretty much. Uh, let's switch some gears a little bit here and um, uh, talk about um, probably the lingering vets uh, on this for AEW. Uh, do you think this will have an effect on all lead wrestling in any way? And uh, what challenges do you see for them uh, as a result of this? So th- th- could this be an opportunity for them? Or uh, what-, what do you see happen here? Oh, the AEW question. Talk about the the what could have been. Um, and it may still be. It's still young, right? But I do notice Tony is starting to settle down a little bit when it comes to how he behaves during media conferences, for example. However, we still see things like the tweet that came out on Friday where he declared himself the longest tenured CEO in professional wrestling and then just played it off like, well, it's a factual tweet. It's a factual tweet. There, There is something to be said for grace and victory. And it's not really a victory because WWE is still around and still making way more money than AEW is. I think that as long as AEW can remember what brought them to the dance and it was that sense of humility and it was that sense of of fan friendliness. And the second they lose that, that's when they start losing people. And they've already started losing people just based on some things, but... I think AEW needs to worry about its own problems before they worry about Vince McMahon or WWE, which is clearly something they're not doing. They're they're clearly very distracted by it. So let me ask you guys something here. Dynamite was last night. I watched the show, and we had two matches uh, bookended mm-hmm. where there was significant color. There was significant blood. <laughs> Does blood matter to you anymore? Not really. I mean, it used to be... It, it used... Well, it really mattered in that initial pay-per-view at Double or Nothing in 2019 when it was Cody uh, and Dustin. And yeah, it. And I thought that, you know, when we, we, we found out that uh, that Dustin bladed and 
and all of us were like were in awe of it because like this was a one hell of a brawl. Um, maybe and and I I was definitely into it. I said, "Oh my goodness, this is such a different product from the WWE. I, I might certainly look forward to this." And then with but you know, unfortunately, uh, over the past year, I mean, it seems like they just kept going and going and. Especially in John Moxley matches, <laughs> I think specifically, it's like it's like almost every match, you know, John Mo- uh, involved with John Moxley, uh, it's like color is involved. Where it's so it's like it definitely lost some of its luster. And <laughs> yeah, and, and Sean, same question. But before yeah. you answer, like, I guess the question is, do you remember the first time you saw someone bleed in a match that you were watching live or even on a video cassette? If we go back that far. And do you remember that feeling? And, and does, it, does it bring back that feeling to you anymore these days? Okay, so I would say it would have to be probably a match with Flair versus Sting somewhere back in the early 90s. And my, it doesn't anymore, especially when we come talk about John Mosley. He's the prime example where it seems like you can, hit, you can go ahead and take the free space on the bingo, bingo card saying John Mosley will bleed. Put your bingo card right there and put the spot. And the other thing about this last week's um, Dynamite, I felt like Jericho was on there just way too much, and I didn't really need him on commentary either for the last match. Well, good luck keeping Jericho off AEW TV. I mean, that's <laughs> you, know, you got a you got a better chance asking the clouds to move to the side of for a day. But uh, it's um, for for me, it's just what made AEW special was. It was that alternative. It was something different. They were thinking outside the box, and now it seems that they have their own formula that they seem to be sticking to. And to me, it's a lot more predictable than than Raw even, which is saying something because we have a running joke where up until this past week, every time you got thrown outside of the ring, we were going to break. Right. And that's, that's an AEW thing that they do. They go to picture in picture. Picture in picture. Mm-hmm. And... Now it's like, okay, we know what we're going to get every week. And then the question is, is it the wrestling that excites you? Or is it the fact that you're there and you're going to be on TV that excites you? Because AEW is a show to watch. And I've said it on our show. Is is sometimes challenging to watch as a TV viewer. I just, the production's not that great sometimes. There's a lot of, of missteps with camera work. There's a lot of missed shots. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. The audio is sometimes off a lot more than it should be. I mean, mm-hmm. they're three years into doing this. If anything, they should have it nailed down now, right? But they might also fall into the same problem that WCW did. Where WCW didn't have a dedicated crew, WCW had contracted crew that went all over the country. And Bischoff brought that up. He said it was unlike WWE where they have this this amazing camera crew that know how to do every shot. But I think they must have some house people that, that go on the road with them. I mean, they have a lot of old WWE guys in that TV truck, so... Mm-hmm. You would think you would think they would have had to explain some of that and said like this is how we do it, but I I don't know. There's there just seem to be a lot of glitches as of late, and I'm I'm expecting AEW to be more polished maybe okay. than it is. And I'm not detracting from AEW. I got friends in that company too, and I got a lot of appreciation for a lot of what they do. 
there's still room for improvement, obviously. Well, there's room for improvement in everything. I can say that about my own show. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's something where great. There's room for improvement, but then there's also a point where you regress. Sure. And I'm worried that AEW is going to regress more. And part of that is is Tony maybe spreading himself too thin. Are you concerned that they? I don't know if you saw a lot of TNA uh, ten years ago. Are you concerned that they might be heading that route? Uh, with Hogan and Bischoff. Um, no, I don't see that being a thing. Tony's already said that that there's no interest in dealing with either of those. Well, he's had Bischoff on as a as a you know as a talent a couple times. But maybe like the TNA formula where they just uh, just keep they just don't know what they're doing half the time. There's bringing in constant WWE people and you know the booking just going haywire and all that. But yeah. I that's kind of already happened, hasn't it? I Pretty mean, much, how yeah. how many how many ex WWE talents have we seen come in where they make that splash and then they disappear? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruby Soho is a great example of that. She came in on fire, and now is just not even on a simmer at this point, even though she's involved in a big feud again. <laughs> Remember when Ember Moon or Athena? Uh, came in and then you know <laughs> we're, we're but that's just team. it yeah <laughs> they all get this great giant pop when they come in but then what do we do with them do they you know do they become a hot contender uh claudio comes in great becomes the roh champion in a unbelievable match unbelievable squash match oh, but yeah but it was unbelievable in the sense too where you just had you know, giant baby face versus, you know, I've heard this term used on several shows now, giant baby face versus tiny heel. And Gresham, whether you like, love, or hate this statement, he's stacked, he's he's built, he's jacked up. He's jacked up, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it ain't like Cesaro's missed the gym or Claudio. So you're going to put them in there, and we know that the Claudio's a wrestling machine. It should have been a squash match. That's exactly how that match needed to happen. Sure. But nobody's happy about it. And and talk about talk about the buildup that wasn't for Claudio becoming the ROH world champion. Oh, he's never he's never held it before. That's all they said. That's all they said over and over again. There was very little word from him talking about, you know, to to win this title, the company that helped mold me into who I am, and none of that. None of that. So, eh. That's like the only reason, so that's kind of my problem with it as well. So, <laughs> Well, it's fine to chase a title you've never had before, and it's fine to chase a, a world championship because you've never been one. But make it matter for more than three weeks. Sure. Make it a chase. Have, have Gresham get a screwy finish on him or something first, and then the next ROH pay-per-view, you've got all that time to build up to it. But no, we got to get him back on AEW, except we didn't. So... Oh yeah, exactly. I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't want to sit here and have this be a total AEW bash session either. But I just I worry that there's there's too much going on and not enough people paying attention. And by that I mean backstage. So pivot to a little bit more on the bright side. Uh, it was just announced on Dynamite this week that they will be making their Canadian debut in October at the Co- at the Coca Cola Coliseum in Toronto. Uh, hopefully this will pave the way for them for future shows in various cities. Um, I mean, you're, I know that you're in the Midwest. Uh, what other uh, venues in Canada would you like to see AEW take place? 
Uh, I think a really hot one would be uh, the Rogers Place in uh, or Rogers Center or whichever one it is in uh, Edmonton would be a hot building. It's a newer building. It's it's right in the heart of Alberta. Now you could say that Calgary should be the territory they go to, but as far as building size and and building look, I would still say that that the Rogers in in Edmonton should be the place to go. I'm surprised they didn't do Vancouver first. They've got a lot of support out there. They've got a lot of, it's a pretty easy place to get to as well, but Toronto makes sense. Toronto has always been the, for lack of a better term, the, the Canadian, New York, the Canadian, Chicago, (laughs) the Canadian, you know, it's, it's, it's the biggest, busiest center. And, and the population density there, I mean, they're going to sell out that building that they're in and no problem. In fact, people that I've I've heard from in the area say that they should have picked a bigger building, but I don't know if it's because they couldn't or what. But um, yeah, I, I I begged the guy that runs our arena here that holds sixteen thousand for wrestling. I I said you got to get on this AEW before anybody does, because mm-hmm. you'll get you'll get people flying at first Canadian show. We could have made Saskatoon, Saskatchewan the the number one wrestling market for a week with that, but you know they. They want to go to Toronto. They want to go to the bigger markets that sound big because that makes your company sound like a big deal. And mm-hmm. I get, you know, like going going to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan probably isn't on top of AEW's list, but it, it should be because, honestly, WWE did a string of house shows over a year and a half. I think they did three or four house shows through our area and our province, the entire region which encompasses the same amount of size as, on average, four to six U.S. states of the smaller ones, okay? To give you an idea, having driven through a majority of the U.S. states, you know, there's a lot of land here in Saskatchewan, and there's only a million people in the province, just over a million people. So we don't have the population density to warrant three or four house shows within a year and a half. But every show they sold, you know, five, six thousand tickets. And that's crazy for this size of a market for the times of year they came. They came once in the dead of winter. You know, like it's the the audience is here. And again, I mean, tourism and everything else, they, they would they would have spent the money to get an AEW here, but they don't need to now, so it's fine. What's the arena that uh you're uh, that you're at? <laughs> Sasktel Center. Which is funny because I'm the in-game announcer for our Saskatchewan Rush here, which is our NLL lacrosse team, hey. which uh, it's funny. We have, for the longest time, we've had the busiest games, the most highly attended games. And, you know, after COVID, everything dwindled, but that happened for everybody. So um, still some of the hottest fans in the world. And it's for lacrosse. We don't have an NHL team. We don't have anything else as far as a major sports team goes uh, all the rest of our stuff is junior teams so you know having having this nll team in packs the place but i've i've also seen this building packed for wrestling bret hart won his first world championship in that building you know so Mm -hmm. it's uh it's a building that's been dedicated to wrestling before so we'll see what happens i think they would be surprised i think they would honestly be surprised if they brought a show here how many people would come Actually, piggybacking off of this thing, like for Knoxville, WWE will come every once in a while, and 
you can notice the lack of attendance sometimes. I can't understand why they don't always come to like Knoxville. They rather go to Nashville because Nashville seems to always be a packed building and stuff. And there's a bigger population than Knoxville. So I can see why AEW has kind of forgotten about the home market for myself here. But maybe one day I can see them here in Knoxville. Well, you can go to Knoxville County and see a WWE superstar every week, right? That's so true. See, so see your mayor <laughs> there, but <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not because we did talk about that last week. <laughs> yeah. So well. Sean is a little Sean is a little irritated by that, but <laughs> whatever. So and obviously Chicago. I mean, they always like come here as their second home. So which I kind of feel bad for others. So <laughs> you know what though, I feel. I feel now because I made the joke, right? Wrestling's and everybody's made the joke. Wrestling starved Chicago. When will they ever get another show for <laughs> Chicago, right? But after being at Hell in a Cell, and I made this commentary on on the after party when I was trying to get a signal through the the friggin' crowd at the Allstate Arena, but Chicago's a wrestling city, and Chicago is, in my experience. A dedicated wrestling city because I went to Hell in a Cell and the people I was sitting with all around us are WWE fans. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a dirty word to say on the internet, right? But it's true. Guys, this is... Um, but they're loyal. They're dedicated. You know, but, what else can you but that's say? just it. So in Canada, I don't know if there's big of a problem down there as they were up here, but uh, the band Nickelback is notorious for being overplayed and overkilled on the radio and people get sick of it. And the cool trendy thing is to diss Nickelback, right? Yet they still sell out thousands of arenas and, and millions of concert tickets around the world. So yeah, nobody likes them. Nobody likes WWE. Nobody like, you know, they didn't just announce two days in Philadelphia for crying out loud talk about the biggest weather risk of all time for a WrestleMania. And I was at WrestleMania 29 when they had the heaters shooting out of the ring posts Oof, yeah. to, to keep the guys warm. Right. But I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but Chicago, I think is a great town and um, I love it there. I can't wait to go back, but um, yeah, I, I think it would be very interesting to see an AEW show there versus the WWE show because the uh, the WWE fans were hot, and I've seen AEW crowds in Chicago, so I can only imagine. Uh, how interested are you in Ric Flair's final match? <laughs> I wasn't as interested as I was after I had the conversation with Conrad, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that interview or not. But if yep. you have, if you haven't good. yet, I I implore you to go check it out. And this isn't just to plug the podcast, but snmeradio.com. We put the whole episode up for free, which is normally just a Patreon move. But I felt that the content in this show was too important to just sit behind a paywall. And that's no disrespect to our patrons, but sometimes you have something too good that you, you just got to share it with everybody. And that's what I did with this one. So if Ric Flair wants to put him... And I... Trust me, I'm not really looking forward to seeing another flare match because you've seen one, you've seen a thousand of them. But if he wants to do it one more time, he's got people that are supporting him. He's talked to his doctors. He's checking with everybody. I ain't here to tell anybody. Ric Flair, to Jake, to Sean, to anybody, that you should give up on a dream. And you should dream until you're last damn day 
And if you've got the capability to do it, then you know what? Friggin' do it. And that's what he's doing. So it bothers me when I hear the jokes of, well, we're going to pay 25 bucks to watch Ric Flair die in the ring. Would you say the same thing about Owen? Would you say the same thing about Draws, who was incapacitated in the ring? You know, I paid 25 bucks to, you know, I paid 40 bucks to see Owen Hart die in the ring. No. Mm. Now, two different situations, I know. But we're still talking about a man's life here. And as someone who has had his heart touched, and I don't know if either of you have gone through the experience of a, a heart surgery or anything like that, or even a procedure, but the second that happens to any human being, they say that your life changes. They, you know, go back and find this interview with Robin Williams and David Letterman. And that's what opened up my eyes to this before I ever had my procedure done. They say that when your heart gets touched, it changes you because it makes you immortal. A mortal, not immortal, a mortal. You realize that there is an end to all this. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to sit at home and be an old man and curmudgeonly say, oh, I wish I could have done this. I could have done that. Or are you going to do what Rick, and I can't like guys, I don't have a stake in this pay-per-view. Okay. I'm paying 25 <laughs> bucks like everybody else, but I, I, I get it now. And I get it a little more than I did as the, the fan just looking at it going, Oh God, Rick, why, why Rick? Why? But I, I get it now. <laughs> well, Mike, it's been such a uh, greatly appreciate you taking your, uh, taking the time to, um, you know your busy schedule just to talk to us so really appreciate it um what do you have coming up in store for sunday night's main event this weekend and how can people continue to follow you well i'll tell you right now obviously there's build up to this aew show in canada coming in fact i just got confirmation a minute ago from john my media guy at aew saying that around mid-september we're going to start having some aew talents on the show to uh, build awesome. that up obviously so that's pretty dope uh, every week, Dave Meltzer and I go through the world, and of course, we just went through SummerSlam, uh, Ric Flair's last match. All that has been uh, been documented as well. So, um, yeah, by the time you're hearing this, I'd love to tell you what's happening, but who knows? <laughs> That's <laughs> every day the show changes. But uh, you can follow the show at snmeradio.com. We're at SNME Radio on basically all the socials. I'm at McGuire Show, M-C-G-U-I-R-E Show on uh, Twitter and Insta, and I'm on Facebook as well. You can, you know, all the stuff, and I'm, I'm sure right. you'll, you'll throw it out there. But, uh, fellas, thank you for this because I, I love talking wrestling. This is why I was so stoked to get the, the spot on Sunday night's main event, and when you reached out, Jake, I was like, yeah, as long as I got the time, man, I'll make it happen. So Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next time, hopefully, uh, hopefully down the road. Thanks so much, Mike.